everyone. Welcome to our podcast. This is Sam. And I'm Sophie. This is our first episode ever. Where we talk about all things scary and mysterious. This is Sam for Mundo. I'm excited. I'm nervous, but uh, I'm looking forward to the journey with you. Same. I'm excited for the journey, and thank you for all who is joining us on this journey. Yes. I'd like to thank anyone who's taken the time to listen to our podcast. Um, I would recommend to go grab your choice of drink, whether it be alcohol, juice, or soda. We don't. We don't judge here. Coffee, tea, you name it. We truly, Wink, are joining you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Alrighty, so um, let's give a little background, background on who we are. Yeah. So as you knew in the introduction, um, my name is Sam and uh, I am friends with Sophie. We've been friends for 10 plus years and uh, it's, been a, it's been a long, beautiful journey of friendship. Definitely. It's been good to know you and I want to continue knowing you. <laughs> I stretch crying. <laughs> Just start crying on here. That's all it is. It's just That's about a, us. Yeah, we're just the whole Tricks episode you, is just it's crying. It's not about ghosts. <laughs> it's just about our love. <laughs> no, but really, Sam and I, all we talk about is true crime, the unsolved, paranormal, you name it. We talk about all things mysterious all the time. So why not record it? Yeah. Instead of just keeping it at home and keeping Forcing it to other ourself, people to listen to it. Yeah, might as well force all of you guys to listen to it. Yeah, the whole world. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, we're bringing to you um, an interesting podcast where we will discuss things that maybe you don't feel comfortable talking about with your friends, your family, um, any paranormal or scary or mysterious things, or even if you have questions, you know, we're here to be your friends and to discuss those things with you. And we'll be with you on that journey because there'll be times where Sam will do research on something and I'm just going to react to it Mm -hmm. and then vice versa. Yeah, so maybe you might have some questions that she can ask for you, and I'll be more than happy to answer, and vice versa. She also will be doing her own research, so I'm excited about that. And uh, yeah, this is something where we've been working on for a few, for about months, a, now. A few months, and uh, we've been working really hard with our own busy schedules, but uh, this is something that we're both passionate about and something that we're really looking forward to taking our time to do. Yeah, and we hope that you love it, too. Yep. Our first episode, we will be discussing the origins of The Conjuring. If you have not watched it yet, it's a quick uh, disclaimer that I am going to go into details regarding the movie and, like I mentioned, the origins. So I would suggest to stop this podcast now, maybe go watch it and come back and listen to this podcast. If you have watched it, I'm excited to share my opinions and also some information that I, I've done some research on and and uh, just an interesting thing to look up. Yeah, definitely. I can say I only know a few things about the true story, so I'm excited to hear your deep dive. Yeah, so let's uh, get right into it. So the film Conjuring was released in 2013, which baffles me because it doesn't feel like it was that long ago and yeah because i even remember going to the movies with you <laughs> and watching them with yeah. your brothers yeah it's kind of sad you know it's time makes flies. me feel, yeah uh, actually one of my favorite horror movies um i just i just love that movie 
Um, that, and that is why I chose this at first episode to be about The Conjuring. Uh, so basically, it is based on the case files of Ed and Lorraine Warren. If you didn't know, this was not basically had nothing to do with the parent family. Uh, they, did not con- they did not consult to this film. Uh, this was strictly just the case files of Ed and Lorraine Warren. The movie was actually toned down to what actually happened uh, because the director, James Wan, wanted to keep it PG. Even with what he did to try to keep it within PG, it still didn't qualify. He made sure to keep no sex scenes, no profanity, but based off it being so scary, um, it had to be rated R. Which just shows, you know, how, you know, gruesome. Well, I can't say really too gruesome because he tried to even keep it. uh, As realistic as possible. Basically, he didn't get the rating, PG rating. um, So he wasn't really happy about that. Uh, But the movie follows the parents' family move into the old Arnold estate uh, farmhouse in Harrisville. The estate uh, sat on 200 acres of farmland and was established in the 1700s. Uh, the parent family was one of the Warren's most popular cases. The father was named Roger, and his wife was named Carolyn, and they had five daughters. Uh, one was named Andrea, uh, one was named Christine, one was named uh, Cindy, and Nancy and April. Prior to moving, they were living in a small home and were having issues where they lived, but um, because of fin- uh, financial problems, they were unable to move and were not looking to move. Uh, anytime soon but uh, it was one day when Carolyn the mother was picking up the newspaper and she opened it up and she fell in love with the farmhouse it was right there it was as if it was calling for her and it, I imagine it was also probably a bigger space for the whole family because it oh, sounds yeah. like they have a big family most definitely the house they actually lived at, at at the time was very small so it was like a dream house for them it had like I mentioned two, 200 acres of land it was uh, had over 14 bedrooms. And because they had um, some issues in the neighborhood, uh, which if you are interested, you should definitely read uh, the trilogy, um, which was based off Angera Perrin, um, her version of what happened. And it's called House of Darkness, House of Light, uh, which she goes into detail more of what happened in the neighborhood prior to moving in. And... Um, Basically, she sold the farmhouse, and she impulsively called a realtor at 9 p.m., which is like, you know, it's not a, it's like a weird time to call yeah, a realtor. Yeah, it is a really odd time. Yeah, and uh, she called, and she answered, and she got an appointment uh, for a showing the very next morning. Which is, it's a good sign for her, but then it's also a cause for concern, because we know what's coming. <laughs> yes, she didn't tell her husband. Her husband was actually a uh, salesman. He sold jewelry in the trunk of his car, and he traveled a lot. Uh, she didn't want. She didn't want to tell him because, like I mentioned, they weren't financially there to to make a big move. Especially, we're talking about a house that big. You can just imagine how much it would cost. So, she still, you know, went. She fell in love with the house. The owner of the house at the time was Mr. Kenyon. He was an old man, and he was being pressured to move out of the house because his son wanted him closer, and he was living there on his own. So, um, that's why he was selling the farmhouse. Um, so when she fell in love with the farmhouse, she impulsively gave them a check of $500. Um, toward the house? Yeah, towards the down payment of the house. Wow. Yeah, so then it was an earnest money check. Basically, it was just to hold the house, but she still had to come up with more money to 
make a down payment. Mm-hmm. Her husband came home from work and she told him about it. And obviously he wasn't happy because she left basically enough money for milk and bread. And um, she was able to convince him to just go to the to the farmhouse just just to look at it. Like see it for himself. Mm-hmm. And he went to go look at it and as expected, he fell in love with the farmhouse too and so did her daughters. He was so in love with it that uh, he came home and, you know, with, with some talking with, with his wife, he decided that they were going to make the move and that they were going to do whatever they could to save up for the down payment. And uh, they had a boat, which they all worked together, remodeled it, sold it, and then they sold their house. The kids did some little side jobs in the neighborhood. And they um, were slightly short from the amount they needed. But Mr. Kenyon, which is the the owner of the house, he grew an attachment with the family. He thought that this would be a best fit for them, considering they had five daughters and it was such a, a nice place for them to uh, raise their family. Uh, so he made them a really good deal on the house. Basically an offer they couldn't refuse. Definitely. That's something I always think about when I watch horror films or I hear stories. I'm like, how could they stay there? But then I realize, well... They don't have a choice. If you just bought this house, you just moved into this home. Oh, yeah. You spent money, put money into it. You really have no choice. But either you put up with anything creepy or you just try your best to ignore it. Yep, exactly. That was a lot of of the questions they they received. Um, Why did you stay there for 10 years? But it's more than just what it looks like. There's a lot that goes into uh, why someone doesn't relocate. You know, it's not that easy, especially during that time. A lot of things were going on. Um, not just with their family in the world, you know, it wasn't as easy to move. And in December, that's when they sealed the deal. But the mom didn't want to move because it was the holidays. So they decided this was in 1970. And in 1971, in January is when they officially moved in. And um, they were moving in. And right when they moved in is when they experienced within three to five minutes of moving in. It's when they experienced their first uh, paranormal um, experience. Uh, they saw an apparition. So... Within the time that they were moving in, um, the dad was unpacking from the car and he gave Andrea, which is the older sister, um, a box. And he told her, you know, go take it to your mom. And she went in there and she was passing by the dining table and she saw Mr. Kenyon. He was packing the last of his belongings as they were unpacking. Okay. So he was just, you know, finishing up the last of his belongings. And she saw an oddly dressed man standing um, they're looking at Mr. Kenyon un- uh, packing his belongings. And I say oddly dressed because it wasn't what he was wearing wasn't of this time. I see. Mr. Kenyon, has he ever experienced anything paranormal? Or is this something you're going to touch on later? Well, um, he never mentioned anything paranormal. That's odd. Yeah, he never mentioned anything paranormal. Um, and as the I watched many interviews with um, Andrea Perrin she said that he never commented on it never wanted to discuss it wow that's weird mm-hmm. yeah so she you know said good morning to the to the apparition which at the time she said she, it looked like an, a, a person you know so she didn't question it and did not respond to her and she went to the kitchen she told her mom like, hey who's that guy there and her mom said there's no guy there um, Mr. Kenyon's son hasn't came yet you, you know and then another sister came, same thing, and then the other sister. And it wasn't until, I believe it was the uh, sister Nancy, 
who came in and said, I, I just seen a man disappear in the dining room. That's creepy. Can I ask, if you were in that situation, what would you do? If your child came up to you like, Mom, I just saw some creepy dude disappear. You know, as much as I want to say that I would leave with a quickness, I mean, if we just moved in and we just literally sold everything we had to get this house, I would try to just come up with some logical excuse as to how this happened. Um, that's what I would do, to be honest. Yeah. You? No, I think any person would probably try to brush it off or like, oh, it's just your imagination. Oh, it's your imaginary yeah. friend. But, you know, to the mom's surprise, she had a lot coming for her specifically. Um, so it wasn't just the daughters that would be dealing with, some, with things. It would be her, unfortunately. So after they were done packing and unloading the truck, there was something Mr. Kenyon mentioned to Roger that stuck with him and will stick with him for a long time. He took him out for a walk and he whispered to him and said, for the sake of your family, leave the lights on at night. Mr. Kenyon said this to the father. Yes. So he knew. Oh, yeah. Um, well, we can assume he knew, right? But we never had a confirmation. But we can we can assume he knew. And uh, at the time, you know, Mr. Roger did not think anything of it because, like I said, it's not like you come to the conclusion that there's a haunted house, you know. Um, so he assumed that he, you know, said that to him because the house was fairly large and um, he thought for the safety of the daughters to not fall off the stairs to, or, yeah. you know, go into the bathroom or something that he would have always have the lights I on. I think I would have been like, can you expand on that comment? <laughs> Because I'm not sure what you mean. What by do you that. mean, sir? And also, do you know how expensive the electricity? Oh yeah, <laughs> most definitely. Um, I'm sure it was super expensive, and it was not until months later that they found out from everyone in the community that there was not a night they drove by that farmhouse, and the lights weren't off. Wow. So even when Mr. Kenyon was there, he had lights on all the time, and like I mentioned, he never meant uh, admitted the house was haunted. Um, and it was assumed that he did not mention it for the fear of sounding crazy. One day, Mr. Kenyon, after they moved in, came to visit. And the mom mentioned to him, this is after they moved in, you know, they started, you know, dealing with hearing stuff, minor things going on in the house. And uh, she mentioned to him that she would hear strange noises in the parlor. And he just winked at her. And he just said that he was not discussing it. Really? Yeah, and every chimney in that house was um, was covered. Not one chimney in the house was um, not covered. And it was extremely cold in that house. You're saying it wasn't covered in meaning that it wasn't in use? Um, no, he had them sealed, all the chimneys, for some oh, reason. Oh, wow. Yeah, he had them all sealed. And, and that house was really big and very, very cold. So during their move, um, I also want to mention that they attempted to bring their pets inside the house. And they did not want to go in the house. They had a dog and they had a couple cats and they were crying. They didn't want to go to the house. They ended up getting the dog inside the house. Um, the cats after a while, um, I don't know, can't say how many days, but they left and never came back. And it was in within two weeks that their dog, which was named Schultz, passed away. Not a good sign because first, if the children are telling you and then your pets are refusing, that's always like the first signs of a haunting yeah and we don't know exactly what was 
scene as to how they found their dog dead. But in the book, House of Darkness, House of Light, she does not mention the dog's death because she said it was very traumatic. In the movie, coincidentally, they it does happen in the movie as well. Yeah, I remember that. Um, I believe the dog was named Cindy or something like that or Sadie. There you go. I think it was Sadie. And the dog did pass away. Um, so that was something that was um, was true with the real story. But, you know, obviously different name. And then also noises, their beds would move. So when their beds would move, they would wake up and they would just move their beds back um, against the wall. But then it started getting to a point where their beds started levitating. Mm-mm, that's scary. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know about the levitating. I, And it's tough because, you know, it's not like the daughters can get up and leave. You know, like, they're little. Yeah, and even when you're a child, same thing. You don't understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. You try your best to explain it as a kid, but no, there's no explanation for that. Yeah, and uh, they actually had a ghost that they would, you know, say was like the sweeping ghost. Uh, because you would hear the broom, the broom sweeping, and then um, you would go and see, check it out, and you would see like a little pile of um, like dust. Yeah, like they just got done sweeping. What's well, like a convenient ghost to have? Yeah, everybody says that too. I'm down with that one only. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, yeah, I, I would, I wouldn't mind it. So not all the ghosts or spirits, whatever, however you want to reference it, um, not all of them were negative or were bad there was some that had good experiences we're talking about 10 years of events so i'm not going to go into detail of every single experience they had with the paranormal within 10 years because you know the list goes on yeah it goes on but we can talk about some that were mentioned in my research that i did and um, in the interviews that she uh, andrea mentioned um like i said the dishwasher would turn on the toilet the toilets would flush that seems like a pretty good ghost to me. Yeah, I was going to gonna say, like, the, all these ghosts that you're mentioning sound like... Yeah, flushing they would, like, toilets. make my life a little easier. Cleaning, you know. They folded laundry. That was not mentioned, but I wouldn't mind that either. Um, the family would hear objects crash through windows, but they would... And when they would go check the window, it would not be shattered. Um, the spirits would make the home smell like rotting flesh. Yeah, no, thank you. They would get birds who would crash into their house and... Um, which is also shown in the movie. Um, there was ghosts that would be trying to call Nancy down to the stiller well. And even to a point where the parents had so much activity going on in the room that they had to abandon the room and just make a room in the dining room. I mean, by the dining room. I think they kind of showed that in one scene in the movie as well, didn't they? When they're all sleeping together in the dining yeah, room. Because they didn't all, they were scared to sleep in their room. The girls would continue to experience activity, but they would not want to communicate with their mom because within the time the mom moved in there, she started feeling depressed and she didn't know why. She started deteriorating. She got really skinny, like I mentioned, very depressed. She didn't want to eat. And the girls sensed that and saw that the mom was being affected as well and they didn't want to stress her out. So the dad didn't want to believe them because, you know, he just spent all this money moving into this house and you know, as well, he didn't, um, as a dad, he probably felt like he couldn't control what was going on, you know, as far as, like, we were talking about the paranormal, you know. Yeah. 
he couldn't protect his family as far as like doing anything in that house did he himself ever experience anything so there was an entity who lusted for him he really didn't have much bad experiences in that house it was assumed that the entity who was basically like the main cause of everything the evil one in that house that was like you know suppressing the mom was the same one that was lusting over the dad and it was assumed that it was because the entity felt that the mom was taking over the motherly place in the household Mm. and it didn't like that so it favored him for sure yeah and there was another incident that the girls dealt with one day the girls were playing in the house and i believe they were playing hide and seek and um Cindy hid in a, it was like a solid oak kind of box, and it didn't have a latch. But uh, when she tried to get out, she couldn't. She was stuck in there. And she was screaming, and nobody could hear her. I think she was there for like 20 minutes until, um, I think it was uh, one of the sisters passed by, and then she curiously just opened it because she was looking for her and she found her and she was soaking wet she was sweating Sweating. in there she couldn't breathe that's traumatizing yeah and they never found out what happened because like i said there was no latch on the box something was holding her down yes um but like you know we had some negative experiences there was positive and there was a ghost that would tuck in the girls at night and kiss them um it was probably yeah. the motherly fear. Maybe she was the one that was doing the sweeping and yeah, flushing the toilets. I mean, it sounds like there's different types of energies there. Yeah, a lot. Well, we're talking about eight generations of families. Yeah, you know, a lot happened there, and it gets very, it gets very hard to kind of fact check everything or because even pinpoint. Yeah, this energy is probably from this family. Well, yeah, no when we're talking really the knows. paranormal, no one know there, no one knows. There's no way someone can say, oh yeah, this this ghost was this person that passed away you can't you know you can just assume but um if their theory are there theories oh yeah there's a lot of theories and one which i'll get into in a little bit is one of the biggest one that is very sad to to talk about because um this person was who's obviously been passed away for a while uh, was affected by this uh, rumor that um took in the movie with the movie conjuring uh, which she was made the, the villain in, in the conjuring and she was a real person. Oh, no. There was also another um, spirit in there, uh, which they nicknamed Manny. And it was a kid that would play with the youngest one, um, April. And she never talked about him um, until 30 years later because she was afraid that they would make him go away. But she said he was really nice. Did he stick out with her throughout these years or... Well, it's hard to say because the only one that has spoken out about this, well, not o- not the only one, but has done a lot of interviews and has been very um, outspoken about it, is the oldest sister, Andrea. The She's other the only sisters, one out of the family that has talked about it publicly. Yeah, the other sisters refused to, to, to comment on it. Yeah. I mean, it must have been traumatizing for them. Yeah, it, it, I, I can imagine. There was another... Um, evil spirit that was an older man which they don't go into detail and I don't think they ever will which I don't blame them but um, all that that Andrea has said is just know that there was an old man and five little girls in that house 
and that's all oh god yeah and they never go into detail you know but she said he was a very evil spirit yeah no wonder they don't talk about it cindy was actually one of the other than the mom that dealt with it the most like she dealt with a lot of things for example um she could hear a lot like in her room she would say that she would hear voices telling her that there are seven dead soldiers buried in the walls she would have her bed shaken routinely everybody would in the house but hers was the most so she said there is soldiers in her in the walls is there any sort of history behind that area yes so the current owners of the house which i believe moved in in 2019 have confirmed that they did some digging and they did find some skeletons oh wow yeah so that was confirmed cindy was one that got hit hardest and it's assumed that the reason why was because she died when she was two months old she had a major uh, birth defect and she went into major surgery and they brought her back to life and that she came back as an old wise soul and that the entities knew it so they gravitated towards her the most because she basically went there and back yeah and then going back to the mom um you know like i mentioned she grew depressed one day the house was very cold so she couldn't take it anymore and so she decided to open up one of the chimneys and that's when things started getting pretty bad i guess when she started changing around the house so that same day that she opened up the chimney which her daughters after they came out of school they helped her she got in the shower and a neighbor came by with a cake and andrea went upstairs to tell her mom that the neighbor was over and the mom told her oh go make her some coffee while i shower and she did and then they started hearing the mom screaming and they ran upstairs and they saw the mom um, getting beat by a heavy wooden coat hanger just floating yeah what the the neighbor just left never came back to the house again the mom had um bruises and abrasions all over her head her neck and her chest i just want to say f that if i were to see that too i'd be like girl you need to get out of this house yeah it's i i, I just i can't fathom how someone can you know deal with things like that for 10 years but again i don't I, i'm not in their situation i was i wasn't in the situation too. i mean like you said it even seems like they're really protective of it too in some ways so it could just be they have this weird attachment to it or this yeah. it's attached to them yeah it could be there was some um of the sisters that have for example andrea who um did have some kind of attachment to the house in, in a positive way and it had negative you know situations but she has good things to say about it as well makes sense with the book it's the house of light and dark yes so the mom began to age fast she lost a lot of weight she began to wrinkle and they couldn't recognize her anymore she started to look like someone else the mom would feel pinches and slaps and she one time felt um something piercing in the back of her calf like uh if someone were to like stab like her with, stab the, her with needle. the needle yeah she got really into researching the history of the house she was known as a historian and the family started noticing that she started to dress a little different wearing clothing that was not from that time and she also started to speak in an ar- archaic english she would reference to the men in the village as uh yeoman it was just very different than what they knew their mom to be 
but they assumed that she was getting really into the history of the house and she was just you know changing because of that from an outsider it just sounds like something's slowly possessing her yes that was what was assumed and in the movie it actually shows that she was possessed but this is where it kind of gets a little confusing because i watched a lot of interviews with indra and she would say oh you know my mom was never um possessed but then when we go deep into what happened what actually happened there was a seance and she then another interview she said if she was possessed she was possessed for like a small amount of time during that seance so she wasn't possessed before the seance and maybe she was possessed during the seance we don't know we'll get into basically um introducing ed and lorraine Warren, how they got involved so in the movie it shows that the mom goes to see ed and lorraine warren and she reaches out to them but in reality that did not happen uh to this day no one knows how or who it was but a woman pretending to be carolyn the mother contacted uh someone in like a college like some guy from college that did you know deal with the paranormal as well Mm -hmm. once he showed up to the house he had an experience that was so profound and disturbing that he felt that he needed to contact ed and lorraine warren Mm -hmm. so ed and lorraine warren uh showed up to the house the day before halloween in 1973 and introducing Ed and Lorraine Warren, um, Ed is a demonologist and Lorraine is a medium. They met at, at the age of 16 and married in 1945. Uh, the couple got into haunted houses when Ed left art school after World War II. And the couple began taking trips to New England to sell his paintings to tourists. Ed was curious about places rumored to be haunted, so he would visit and begin drawing the house from the road. I don't know about you, but if I saw someone painting my house or drawing my house... I would be kind of creeped out. Yeah. Like, what are you doing here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I guess um, he would uh, sketch the houses and then Lorraine would, you know, go to the house and show them the, the artwork and then they would be invited into the house. But prior to going to the house, they already knew it was haunted. They just wanted they an invitation. Energy, yeah. yeah. They wanted an invitation. So uh, that happened and they were being invited to uh, haunted homes. And they would speak to the families families about their experiences in their homes. And in 1952, the couple formed a New England Society for Psych- Psychic Research, uh, which they used to investigate reported hauntings and help those who are being haunted. So that's a little backstory on them. So in the movie, it shows that they moved into the house and, you know, everything was positive and happy and they helped the family. But it wasn't like that. Um, they actually came to the house and visit the house within the span of one year you'd probably say it's five to six times in that year and the last visit wasn't a pleasant visit and that was when they recommended a seance Mm -hmm. which didn't go good they brought a priest they brought a medium and they bought like a whole crew with like cameras and everything um so when they did the seance the mom was sitting in a chair which is you know the way that it happened in the movie is similar in some way but not fully similar um she was sitting in the chair and she started um her body started to curl in ways that one would think that your bones you would hear bones snapping Mm -hmm. it was not normal 
And then her chair started levitating and she was thrown 20 feet away. And her husband was, you know, thought she, his wife died. So, and keep in mind, he wasn't a fan of the Warrens. Like, he was convinced to go on with it, but he wasn't happy that they were there in the first place. He wanted no part of it, basically. Yeah. As he tried to run to his wife, Ed tried to stop him, and he, which didn't show in the movie, but he socked him. He socked Ed, and according to Andrea, broke his nose. And the medium was collapsed. Their experience she had, but she was on the floor as well. And he told them to get the F out of his house and to never come back. In the movie, it showed that it was very different. You yeah. Know? But this this was based on the case files of Lorraine. So you would you would assume that she didn't want to paint a bad picture of themselves. And, and then after this seance, um, everything was kind of quiet in the house. Uh, they assumed that whatever entity attacked her, her mom scared the ghosts, the good ghosts away. And it was quiet for some time. But even after, they still dealt with things. I think the last thing that was kind of like, okay, this is it, was the mom was in the dining room one time and she saw two men standing by the dining room. And she saw a whole family having dinner with a different dining table. And that one of the men looked at her, well, tapped his friend to look at her and they both looked at her. And that they looked at her like as if she was the ghost. And she felt that that was going to be, if she continued to stay there, that she was going to end up being one of the ghosts in that house. And she didn't want anything to do with that. Yeah. Which I don't blame her. And there is like that theory that people think that maybe it's just timelines overlapping and maybe that's what hauntings are. That's exactly what Andrea feels that that house is like, just like a, like a time lapse. Like, yeah. Yeah. Things happening over and over again. And then energies get stuck there. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like there's a bunch of different energies stuck there. There is a lot. And um, so that's when she, at the time, they actually, well, with, this was within a 10-year spam. So they had enough money to move out. And they did move out of the house. Um, they moved out. And this was, you know, like I mentioned, 10 years after. And they moved to, I believe it was Georgia. Yeah, it was Georgia and a brand new land. And they still dealt with things afterwards as well. I was going to ask you that. Did anything follow them? Yes. And to this day, she still deals with things. Which we're going to dive into that right now. So let's get into what happens afterwards. Ed and Lorraine Warren reached out to Carolyn to see if she wanted some part in the movie. And she said she wanted, well, at first she said that she was going to talk to her husband about it. That same day, she, I believe she was um, somewhere in the house, I think, but there was a door that they had there that was unlike unleashed. It was like a random door they had there, mm-hmm. and it fell on her randomly, just fell on her, and it like cracked her skull. Well, oh my God. And after that, she called her back, and she said, no, I want nothing, nothing to do with that movie. So then that's when it went on to be like the case files of Adeline Warren, and family had no part in it as far as have they getting any money out of oh, it oh they have not been Mm-mm. compensated at all she offered her a shitload of money because it was um it was no. warner brothers she didn't know after that incident she said no nope. yeah, i mean i don't blame her i'd be scared to to be honest yeah and um this ghost over here harassing them to not get a check come on that's messed up <laughs> oh and i'm sorry i'm all over the place sorry this is the first episode so i'm sorry guys 
But let's also get into one of the ghosts I told you that had rumors. Mm -hmm. So Lorraine assumed that the ghost, that was the evil spirit, was of Bathsheba. So Bathsheba was uh, someone who lived in across the street from the from the farmhouse. She was a wife and she had three children, uh, four children, actually, uh, three who, you know, didn't make it far. They but it was normal at the time. Back in the day, you know, it was normal for for kids to die soon, babies to die soon. So she only had one um, child that survived, you know, past past her as well. Um, But basically, she said that she was the evil entity in that house and that she was a witch who sacrificed one of her babies and that she hanged herself in that property. And is this information that people could find in terms of history? Like, oh, that's for sure a real person or this is just someone that Lorraine read? She said she had a psychic vision. Okay. And then she said that it went with the, the, remember I mentioned, oh, because the baby that was supposedly under her care, um, that they found the baby with like, um, that the baby died under her care, and that the they found like um, like a hole in the base of his head, like like a, like like the so, like kind of like a sewing needle stab. Oh wow! Yeah, so I guess you know there was no proof of that, but I guess that she lived a miserable life because everybody around her and the surrounding area like everybody believed that she that did rumor. it and that she was a witch and that that infant died under her care because of that and that she um sacrificed the baby for satan and uh she did live a miserable life because everybody believed that and, and you know that's unfortunate for her and who would know who would know that after she died it still went on because lorraine had a you know psychic vision that um, she was the witch that was taunting the family, which even to this day, we can say that people were messing around with her grave. And, you know, just to mention, you cannot prove that she was haunting the family. Or that know? she was really a, this witch that they claimed that she was. Yeah, and it was common. And in the movie, if when you watch the movie, um, it is mentioned by Lorraine in you know the movie that uh, supposedly... Bathsheba was related to Mary Towney. Um, I think it's Eastie. Eastie. Yeah. Which she was actually wrongfully accused of being a witch as well. And unfortunately, they um, they hanged her. And this was during the Salem witch trials. You know, this stuff is just crazy. Yeah, a lot of innocent people were killed during the Salem witch trials. Yeah. Men, women, children. Um, I was reading about it a few months ago. If there was a woman that wasn't married or she was poor they'd be like you're a witch because you're evil so they would hang her but then also if there was a woman who was successful on her own she's a witch she's only rich because and then they would hang her yeah and so and you couldn't win <laughs> you were left with like admitting it even if you weren't because if you admitted that you were they would tell you tell you like okay you are a witch okay whatever ask for forgiveness okay we can move forward and if you were really you know you weren't and you you know trying to were trying to stay true to yourself, they would hang you. Yeah. So either you you were hanged or you uh, admitted to something you weren't. And then you were shunned from everyone yeah. around you. You had no, like, it was, it was bad. Yeah, really dark time. So a lot of things in the movie, you know, weren't all, there was a lot of discrepancies. And um, that was one of them. And like I said, that people need to stop saying that it was her, that she was the evil entity because... 
this lady died years ago. We're talking about a long time ago, and people are messing with her grave. Yeah, disrespecting it till this day. I will tell you one odd coincidence, though. Before the parents moved into the uh, farmhouse, uh, they actually had a dog, which uh, got ran over, unfortunately. And um, the mom named the dog Bathsheba before moving into the house, before they even knew of that name. That is strange. Yeah, that is a That's weird a coincidence. Weird case of, like synchronicity. Yeah. Let's talk about the things that happened in the set and what happened to the actors. James Wan was offered to film in the actual Conjuring house, and he absolutely did not want to. So that's why they filmed in uh, North Carolina. Um, he was also offered to visit the house just, just to see it, and he didn't want to either. Uh, Joey King which is one of the actors, she mentioned that she experienced something weird as well. Uh, during the filming of the movie, she got mysterious bruises all over her body. The makeup ladies thought that she was stealing their makeup and, you know, making a, a prank and, and that she had fake bruises. And they tried to wipe them off with, like, alcohol and rubbing oil, but they couldn't. So she went to the doctor and she got a couple of blood tests and her doctor told her it could be earlier signs of leukemia. And she was freaking out because she was only 12 years old when she was filming this movie. She then uh, got more blood tests and is told that she had this blood thinning condition called ITP where most of her red uh, blood cells, blood cells uh, drain from her body mysteriously. She never had a blood problem in the past, never had a problem, problem since then. No one in her family has had that. She was at risk of needing a blood transfusion, and they were afraid to let her work because if she touched something, she could get easily bruised. So she had to go to the hospital, hospital every day, twice a day, before and after work filming to get her blood taken to check her, uh, her levels. Her levels. That's intense. Yeah. And, and that's the, a lot for a little kid, too. Oh, yeah. That's... That's a lot of stress to them. I'm imagining she's probably psyching herself out. She's 12 years old. Yeah, and you're like, this is my big break. Yeah. So uh, when the shooting finished, she came back home and she went back routinely as she always did to the doctors. And they told her that that her... um, Or platelets. Platelets. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) We're obviously nurses over here. Her platelets uh, were completely fine. So this is once they were done filming. She went and they told her that her playlists were completely fine. And she was back up to normal numbers. And she hasn't since had a trace of that disorder. And then we have Vera Farminga, which is actually um, the actor that played Lorraine. She took the role. And when she was done discussing things with James, she opened her laptop and saw claw marks across it. The last day after she flew back and came home from North Carolina, where they filmed, the next morning she woke up in her bed. The same claw marks appeared on her thigh, which she actually has a, a picture to show. I mean, on her laptop. Yeah. I don't know which one I'm more upset about. <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably be more upset with the laptop, to be what honest. The, really? <laughs> so uh, there was another incident where they wanted to inter- interview the family at the set. And the mom was going to go surprisingly, and last minute she decided not to. And the daughters went, and then they got a call as they were filming that the mom fell and uh, broke her hip. They flew there, flew back home, and the mom told her 
that she was pushed and she didn't want anything to do with the with the movie or anything like that so it seems like every time even she tries to get involved she just can't yeah it's or is scared not to yeah and then you know there's a lot of more things into it like a lot of people that worked with the set and in the movie do dealt with more things as well it's even caught on fire we can learn from this true story it's that if your kids or pets don't want to go into the house don't go into that house yeah it's not worth the stress it's not worth the trauma and um and ask for the history yeah actually in that time they um didn't have to disclose that information Mm. at that during that time but i'm thankful that we're in this time now and that you do have to disclose if there's any suicides or anything any death or anything that would depreciate the value of the house yeah that's something to good to know agreed so uh this was the um origins of the conjuring i hope that you enjoyed this podcast i do apologize if it was you know ev- a little bit everywhere but um, I did try my best. But I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And let us know how we did on our first episode. We uh, do appreciate any uh, constructive criticism, criticism as well. And I apologize for my stuttering. And Sam, I think you did great. And yes, thank you. thank you so much for listening. This is our first episode, so bear with us. But I think Sam killed it. And last thing I'll say is keep your lights on. And finish your beer if you're drinking one. <laughs>